0: All right, welcome to our podcast, Don't Call It A Book Club. My name's Luke. My name's Dan. This is our first episode. Pretty exciting, huh, Dan? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. The sun is shining and uh, the microphones are rolling, so... What else can you ask for? Uh, so in this podcast or in this episode, we are going to be mostly talking about the majority of Elantris by Brandon Sanderson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're about eighty percent of the way through the book right now, and there's a lot to talk about. Luke, did you have anything to talk about before we jump into it? Yeah, so first I want to bring a new segment into the podcast. Okay. This segment when is you, hold on. When you say bring a new segment into the podcast, this yeah. is episode. This is episode one. It is episode one. So every and segment is a, a, every segment is a new segment. True. I like your optimism. Sorry. Continue. Okay. So this is going to be probably my favorite segment. Uh, It's called, I'm going to call it Hot Takes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's going to be basically me throwing out a very controversial opinion. That's honestly so controversial, it's controversial to me even. Okay. And you're probably going to strongly disagree with me, and we're going to have a spirited discussion about it uh-huh okay uh, so give me give me a little flavor for what we're talking about here you, you want me to give me give, yeah, give the first give example me, if you have a hot take, go ahead and lay it on me you uh, i'm going to try to convince you uh-huh there's a decent chance you're going to convince me uh-huh otherwise uh-huh but but we'll see okay here we go. this one's going to be about uh game of Thrones but or the game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, the series, basically. Okay, yeah. Not the first book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In my opinion, George R. R. Martin should not finish the series. Should not finish writing the series. Okay. Please How do exp- you feel about that? Please explain yourself. First off, well, tell me, do you watch the show? No. Have you seen any of it? I've seen two episodes. Okay. So, the show's fantastic, first of all. And I, I say this I've as... i reviews, but okay. Okay, I say this as someone who read the books before the shows and had been waiting for many years for the sixth book to come out. For eons, some would say. <laughs> for eons, yes. So, I read all the books. I watched the show first through probably about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like you, where I was not wanting to watch the show because I'm always a big fan of the books are always better. Right. Because they are. In, in the past, the books have always been better. Yes. This is true. Here we go. This is a, this is a secondary hot take, okay? That is, oh, uh, that no, is under not the larger... Oh, no, about to say audience. this. Luke, you're not it's about under, to say <laughs> that the Game of Thrones TV show is better than the books. Yes, no. I'm saying that. The Game of Thrones TV show is better than the Game of Thrones or A Song of Ice and Fire book series. No. It's weird. the first time it's happened. No. And it's probably going to be the last. The, okay. I have not seen the series, but I know this to be not true. And <laughs> the way the way that I know this to be not true is just from the cursory evidence I have of people complaining about the shows to me. Especially, okay, the, apparently the last season has just been ridiculous in the the last okay i'll give you that the last season was a little ridiculous right in terms of pacing and all of that stuff Uh uh-huh and okay i would like to say that this makes my point because the last season is the times when they have had to write the show without the backbone of the book to work on every other episode of this tv show comes directly from the book i don't okay first of all they've made other changes from it but but also this makes my point where George R R Martin should be more involved in the TV show than writing his No books. no no that's ridiculous <laughs> that's absurd because the reason that the TV shows are good at all I would argue is because they have those outstanding books to work on and we've seen that the TV show takes a radical downward turn when they don't have books that they're like drawing story from. Okay, but okay, here's here's another part of my point. The if he finishes the book series. Yes. It'll obviously be after the TV series is done. Yes. Most of the people that are involved in Game of Thrones is through the TV show. Therefore, and and okay. I know you haven't seen it and you probably don't agree that it's oh, better than Luke, the Luke, I know what you're but about it's to fantastic. say, And I have my own hot take about the, what's going to happen. So please continue to make your okay, well, okay, point. Okay, I don't. Okay, I'll that's not. I don't. What I'm, what I'm going to say, I don't know if this is what you think I'm going to say. It's that when he finishes the book series, it's going to be nothing more than an alternate ending to the TV show. Uh, okay. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. First off. Respond. First off, no. Second off, so, this is what I think is going to happen. Okay? George R... The TV show is going to be finished, right? There's going to be an ending to the TV show, right? George R. R. Martin is going to say, mm, you know what? Didn't like that ending at all. Ending of the book series is going to be radically different from the TV shows. Such that it would seem like the, the at the divergence point, they become like two entirely different series. Right? Because... Think about it too, from just like a like a storytelling perspective, like George R. R. Martin isn't going to write the exact same ending that happened in the t v show like he's not gonna right. do that right, right. it's gonna be an alternate ending well, but this is why i think this is why I think it's gonna be radically different, and I think he hasn't been involved with the t v show for this reason because he wants to keep the ending that he wants for the book, which is like. Like the books, like his firstborn child, right? Like he says he doesn't pick favorites, but like you can almost guarantee that. Like Luke, I know you weren't you were you were like second, and so I'm I'm sure your parents <laughs> love your brother much more than you, but they never tell oh, you that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, right. They're yeah. not going to tell you that to your face. Just like George R. R. Martin's not going to come out and say that he prefers the books to the TV show, but we all know that he does. I'm sure that he does and i think okay here's another reason for me bringing this up this isn't really a point this is just a kind of a reason okay that i that says more about our our community's fanhood. okay we have too big of a support superiority complex over tv shows okay and i think it's finally time that we need to acknowledge that one TV show, no. I'm just saying this is the only one, no. okay? We need, to give them, we need to give them one, and I think this is the one. No. We're not giving them any, Luke. They get nothing. <laughs> that's fair. I actually didn't feel good about that yeah, point. Yeah, nobody does, all right? This is— Can I make a side point that you're going to actually agree with me on, I think, that's not really that related— Okay, hit me with it. —to the actual, to the actual argument? Yes. Why are we letting ourselves be bullied into saying George R. R. Martin's two middle initials? Ooh, that's a good, like, good point. Like, I love George R. R. Martin. He's fantastic. But the arrogance in making us say George R.R. R. Martin each time I mean, is ridiculous. That's a great point. It's also like, I feel like that's super common with fantasy authors, though. Now that I think about it, like J.K. Rowling. Why are we... Well, that one was because she was trying to hide the fact that she was a woman, I think. Oh, well, that's kind of depressing, then, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but back, but back on subject, two two middle initials is ridiculous. I'm not. I don't. I have to say it every time because I feel weird saying George R. Martin. George Martin. I can't even say it. Yeah. Now I have to say George R. R. Martin. Well, then it you know sounds like How hard like it you... is to say two R's? Yeah, it's not good it's not especially not for a podcast like especially not listening i'm sure it's hard to differentiate those two r's when you're saying george r r martin cuz i think tolkien also yeah tolkien also was jrr r. tolkien yeah is it, that's a good point is it that george is like trying to maybe okay bold take george doesn't have two middle middle names Oh man, are we, are we going to be a conspiracy theory podcast? George doesn't have two middle names. He just thought, wow, J.R.R. R. Tolkien sounds super good. How can I get in on that action? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. he was like, keep the R's. Those are the good parts. And then I'll just put some other name around the R's. I think you might be onto something. Oh, do you think that we might just like Game of Thrones because he has two middle R's? I think we might need to do a reread of the entire series without saying the two R's to see if we actually think it's good or not. Do you think if we gave that book series to someone and didn't tell them who it was by and didn't tell them that a man named George R.R. R. Martin existed, would they like it? I think that's, I think that's a worthy experiment to have. Do you think that's ethical? Can we do that? Oh, okay what happens when you're knighted to your name you get a sir you get a sir what happens when you become a best-selling fantasy author you get an extra r you get an extra r oh my gosh yes yes we figured it out okay so now that we're now that we're on common ground with the two r's yeah yeah (laughs) Let's let's finish up our discussion. I'm how guessing many, it's gonna have to be an agree to disagree kind of thing. How many initials is too many though? Like, how many initials is too many where people are like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna call you George P R R L L L S T Q Martin? See my limit from a pride perspective is gotta be two, but I'm not even I might even say 1. Granted I'm sa- okay, see I'm saying George R R Martin. Right. But it's taking some pride from me. So I'm going to say my pride limit is 1, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm willing to sacrifice some pride to go down to go down to 2. Okay. I guess that's fair. But like is there any is there any conceivable universe in which you would say 3? Oh, I just thought, no. I just thought of it. So the the only conceivable universe where you would say three is if it said something that sounded kind of funny. Oh, yeah. For if sure. his name was George P.P.P. P. P. Martin, like, you oh, know, we would goodness. be saying George P.P.P. P. George I.P.P. P. George, George P. P. Martin. I'm saying those three. Yes. <laughs> oh, we're giving him three but, every time. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there is like a bit of a caveat there to the. Okay. I I think we're on the same page though about the RR. It's a little much, you know. When I introduce myself to people, I'm not asking them to call me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. But we're definitely going to have to agree to disagree. Uh I with with zero evidence, the TV show is obviously worse than the book. Okay, yeah. We might have to for but, time purposes, we might have to wrap up this argument. Yeah. For the for, For the sake of the righteous fury of every reader out there, I will stand proudly with them in fighting against the tide of the TV show being better. Also, how absurd is it that the TV show was allowed to get ahead of the books? I just needed to get that out there. That's ridiculous. This is the first time in human history, this is a monumental moment. This is the first time in human history that a TV series or a movie has been allowed to expand the universe past the pre-existing Canon of the book, and that's ridiculous. We as a culture need to figure out what the hell we're doing, and get our society back on track because this is absurd. All right, so we clearly don't agree on my hot take. In in a surprise twist, uh, neither of us are convinced. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, we'll we'll leave that up to the listener to decide. Uh, if we ever develop a Twitter account, uh, people can tweet us. Oh, please tweet their, at us all day. Their opinions. I am expecting hate, hate tweets. I'm expecting love tweets. So take that however. Yeah, yeah. we're not going to have a separate Twitter account, so we're both getting both of ours. <laughs> yeah. But Okay, let's agree to disagree on that hot take. I'm guessing we're gonna, it's going to come up in future episodes in, in fits and bursts. We'll see about that yeah probably i mean i will have to eventually convince you of my righteousness but that will take time just like rothan from elantris one day you will see my point of view and know that i am right okay (laughs) okay good and just like i do think this is the last thing i'm going to say and then we're going to move on uh i think you're sacrificing the argument by not having watched the show (laughs) i think that is contributing to my argument because i know it's so bad i don't need to waste the time to watch it Wow, I've taken a really strong stance here. Now I'm saying it's bad. I'm not just saying that it's, Ooh, I don't know if I'm comfortable yeah, this with was, that. Yeah, that was a bold move. That was the argument very... has shifted. Okay, well. But that's the that's the point of hot take. We're supposed to make very outrageous claims. All right, so the show is awful and the book is uh, basically a religious text and we should move on. All right, moving on. <laughs> okay, so speaking of Rothan, I think we need to talk about how how ridiculous it is that he was able to come up there okay so there have been 10 years that the riod has happened and nobody has ever thought that you could fake looking like an elantrian and so Mm -hmm. he was able to like get this poison that made him look like an elantrian and there's no like test that people do or anything and so when he came out of it miraculously everyone was just automatically on board that he had conquered this thing that they thought was this magical curse yeah, that's pretty—and and let me just do a quick—we're uh, now talking about Elantris, if you couldn't tell, because Dan decided to skip the uh, quick intro <laughs> into our Elantris. Discussion. Oh, yeah, we're talking about Elantris but, uh, and Hrothen from Elantris, you know, all your, all your good pals. Um, all, all the good pals from Elantris, yes. So, yeah, that's a ridiculous point. The, I, the people in the Elantris universe are not very smart, Okay, the people from Teode seem super smart, except for the king, which we're gonna get to him because he made the most absurd deal I've ever heard in my entire life. But the people in Arlon are not smart. And the people who are smart, why I do not understand why they're not in power because it, like, the level of incompetence among the, like, okay, the king is super incompetent and i i kept waiting i kept waiting for the turn where the king actually turned out to be this incredibly shrewd politician who was like working behind the scenes but no the behind the scenes thing was him incriminating himself with murder for this stupid mystic cult that has no evidence like never in this universe have we seen evidence So far, we have not seen evidence that any of the gods that are worshipped by the common people do anything for them. Right. Even the miracle uh, that Hrathen says is like he is given, that we know is fake as well. Like there is no foreseeable benefit to being a part of any particular religion that gives you any kind of mystic powers or abilities. And yet the king of this country decides, you know what? I'm going to join this weird cult where you murder people. And he does it a lot. Right, right. He's, like, constantly leaving the castle to go do it. And And not even, like, not even that sneakily, you know? He's not finding random people. He's just taking people, serving people from his kitchens or whatever and just murdering them and being like, oh, yeah, they ran off. (laughs) Which I guess is, like, reasonable when you think of the – persona and the like character traits of a lot of the nobles of this area is or of arlon um that they don't really care about the common people and see them as kind of subhuman and essentially slaves but at the same time everybody knows you get caught for that and you're done everybody knows that so if there's no foreseeable benefit like it's not like he was forming great political connections with these secret mystic cultists like it This was not, this is not very, it was very high risk, low reward. Zero. I would argue zero reward. He, he got nothing from it. And so, so I think honestly, it relates to the fact that the, the ruling party in Aralon is like, they have been handicapped because they have relied on the elantrians for so long and the only reason that they hadn't been conquered in the 10 years uh was because there just wasn't hadn't been enough time for some other power to come in and just like completely which is what we're seeing right now right like that's what the book is about is about them being just decimated by the fjordel empire as they should be Mm -hmm. because their leaders are so incompetent yeah it's pretty impressive they managed the last 10 years honestly yes well and like i I mean a good part of the book is dedicated to you know brando reminding us sorry brandon sanderson reminding us that the society is on the verge of collapse and you hear like every other chapter one of the characters is talking about how close it is to collapsing and so right yeah you definitely get the sense that it's not gonna last that much longer but the fact that it lasted 10 years under the system when there are like competing powers around them is just so wild okay but we need to get back to the other so besides the fjordal empire the other competing power in this world which is the Teode empire or the Teode kingdom and the deal that this guy made with Harathan to get his daughter back and the fact that he decided to stick to it after he found out that it was like malarkey. Yeah. Yeah, who honors that agreement? Right. Like who first oh, of all, who makes the agreement and then who honors it after learning that it was completely ridiculous? Right. Like he poisoned he and learning that she was poisoned by Harathan himself. Like Harathan was the one who poisoned her. And so like oh, yes, I'm a man of my word. I will. You person who, like, basically tried to get my daughter assassinated, right? Because, like, everyone knows that Elantra is dangerous. The reason why he made that deal in the first place was because he wanted her out of Elantra because he knew it was dangerous. And then to find out later that the person who put her there was Prathen, which is essentially him being like, yeah, I'm going to put her in this place where she could probably die. Yes, I will honor the agreement that I made to you. Uh, which the the agreement was that he would become, he would he'd follow Hrothan's religion, and right. basically the rest of his country would. Yeah, Which would the argument lead to them being under uh, Fjordel's rule, basically? Right, right. Which like, so he was basically giving up his kingdom, right. Because Hrothan poisoned his daughter, and he didn't want her to die. Right. Well, th- but that's not even. He was giving up his kingdom because he was a man of his word is the ex- exact reason why. Because he didn't, he doesn't have to do it. Like, sure, he said, oh, Hroth and I will do this if you, he doesn't have to, right? Oh, he's yeah, a- he's saying, he's saying this through a Sion to one dude. Is, this, is it Sion? Say, s- s- let's go with Sion. Sure. He's saying this through a Sion to a dude that just poisoned his daughter. Right, and he's like, "Oh, I made that deal. I gotta, I gotta go through I with gotta it. Gotta go through with it. I guess." Even when he was like, <laughs> "Actually, yeah." Now that I think of this, he was telling his daughter she could come back home, and his daughter was in a binding legal agreement with the Kingdom of Arlon. When she, at, when she first came to Elantris, he was like, "Oh no, just get on a ship and come back. It'll be fine." How? In, uh, in one breath he's like telling his daughter Yeah agreements don't really matter Like whatever And in the other he's like no I promised this obviously malicious person Who lied to me That I would convert to their religion Which would give up my entire kingdom And throw my whole populace Under the rule of this like Ridiculous religion that Tortures and kills people But I told him I would So I must Yeah not great Leadership no, what I'm gonna say. no. Also, you have to imagine like back then, nothing was like recorded or written down, so he could have just denied the entire conversation. Like even if his honor was thrown into question, like somebody like Hrothan started going around saying, "Oh, hey, this," he promised that they would become that he would switch. <laughs> he could just say, "I never know." Yeah, I did not know, do that. Remember doing that? Yeah, though. exactly. All right, back to not being part of the Fjordal Empire, please. Both kings in this instance are acting so absurdly. Which, like, to be fair... So, I will say... So, in the um, second part, because the book is divided up into parts one, two, and three, and part one was, like, pretty good, but I definitely was able to put it down pretty easily at the end of a few chapters. But part two... pretty much at the end of every chapter I was like well okay I have to read about this new development that happened at the very end of the chapter uh, and ended up reading like two or three times more than I was intending to uh, and definitely getting like super sucked into it which was like kind of cool but Brandon so he kept there was this thing that would happen at the end of a lot of chapters where something crazy and profound would happen but you would hear about it afterwards like when the new guy was crowned king they didn't tell you that he was being crowned king or anything it was just they got a report in elantris that oh yeah this guy is king now he's he was coronated yesterday and it was like what (laughs) or when hrothin was uh supposedly had supposedly become an elantrian they announced it at some like offhanded comment at the end of one of their secret meetings uh, with Serene, where they were like, "Oh, yeah, and you'll never guess who's in a laundry and now." and it's <laughs> just, just casually, like well, did hey, you hear? Okay, like cool, but that definitely contributed to the like, well, I have to read the next chapter now to see what what even happened with that, So the current leaders are ridiculous and wildly incompetent. Mm-hmm. but can we talk about Raiden for a second? Oh, yeah. We definitely need to talk about Raiden for a second. So he is... I don't want to talk about him being a super flat character. Okay. Because that's what a lot of people have said. I'm going to kind of go uh, against that. Okay. In terms of everyone complains about characters in these books about being... or. Just books in general, when there's a character like raiden where he's too good. Yes, you know, because because is basically the perfect person in this. He's a great leader. Everything he does is right. And yeah, his like moral compass is super strong. And the only concern he has is not living long enough to see his goal accomplished. Yeah, right. So the whole thing is like, oh, what a lame character. He's not very interesting because. Why, okay, here's my point. Why are we as a community so obsessed with flaws? You know what I mean? Yes. Uh-huh. Every character that's good has to, in some way, have something wrong with them. I'm going to say that's horse apples. We are allowed to have characters like Rayadan. Granted, not everyone, or he's, it's going to be hard for someone to be perfect. But, I think we need to be allowed to have characters like Raiden where he doesn't have obvious flaws without everyone being like, oh, what a stupid character. Actually, you know what I'm realizing, though? Nobody says that about Aragorn. Is anybody saying, oh, yeah, Aragorn, super flat character, no flaws. You mean you mean Lord of the Rings? Sorry, yeah. Aragorn? Lord of the Rings, Aragorn. Okay. Aragorn is this messiah figure that comes into the Lord of the Rings and, like, never makes a wrong decision even when he and gandalf are arguing about whether or not they should go into the mines of moria aragorn is right and saying they should not go in and gandalf is like no we could definitely go into the mines of moria and it's revealed later that aragorn was like correct in his i think this is actually what happened i'll have to go back and and check uh just tweet at me if i'm wrong but Aragorn is presented as this infallible character who's a perfect leader and is going to take over. And when he does, everything is, like, perfect and great. But nobody complains that Aragorn doesn't have any flaws. Nobody complains that he is too good, right? People right. love yeah. Aragorn. Yeah, so so <laughs> we normally tear down these— or, or In most of our podcasts, we're going to be talking trash about all these books, right? Right. In this case, I'm going to defend our boy, Brandon, or, or Brando, as we might be calling him. Yeah, we're, we're on those terms. Where, <laughs> yeah, we are. Where Raiden, great character, I'm going to say. Okay. If, if, if Aragorn is allowed to be a great character, which he for sure is. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. Raiden's allowed to be Right. A we're going to take that not bold stance here on this podcast that Aragorn is cool and we like him. I also think Raiden is cool, but that's also why I have a uh, pretty, I I have a prediction about what's going to happen with Raiden and uh, the like salvation of Elantris, because I feel like, so part of the solution to this big dilemma and crisis that's happening is that the Elantrians have to like not be useless anymore. Like, if the Elantrians don't come back, then the Fjordal Empire will inevitably, like, take over everywhere. And it will just be a awful place. But, okay, so Rayodin is this figure who is, like, he is super perfect, right? And he is super, like, good at everything, right? Yes. And so the thing with a lot of these characters is the way that their story arc finishes is they have to die to complete their goal. The way that their story arc goes is at the end of whatever they were trying to accomplish. They realize that the only way they can do it is by dying. And I mean, this wow. is like, this is like an ancient narrative goes back to Jesus and before, right? Okay. Right. So I, and I get very strong Messiah vibes from Ra'odin. Like, he, he is coming as the savior of Elantris, right? And, right, and the whole nation, basically. Right, exactly. Yeah, he's going to save both Elantris and Arlon. And he's never had any issues so far in his, like, plans that have been a serious setback to that goal. And so the big, like, crystallizing moment that, like, that like solidifies him as like a saint among everyone is going to be that moment where he self-sacrifices his, like himself, which is what self-sacrifice means. But the, that moment where he gives up his own life for the sake of everyone else. And I think it's, so I'm going to be even more specific. So I think the person that wanted the old Elantrian, Elantrian, the old Elantrian... Uh, yeah, we're, we're doing soft days. We're doing soft days. Elantrian. The old Elantrian who kept telling them about the lake, right? That lake is going to come back. That's a key okay. detail. And I think the lake is actually meant for Rayadin to, like, jump into to release the... Uh, whatever. What is it called? The... Door. Release the door so that everyone... <laughs> in uh elantris can then use it i think he is what's holding the door back from everyone else using it um okay. either that so your your prediction is basically raiden's gonna die and it's gonna have something to do with the him needing to go into the lake to save everything yeah my prediction is in order to release the door for people of elantris to like become fully elantrians again he has to die and i think the particular detail is that he's got to go in the lake like that's what the lake is for because there's this when we were introduced to it there's a much i feel like there's way more ceremony about it than was just like oh this is a way you can die if you want as in a right well there's there's no way a lake that dissolves people is going to just be like oh yeah there's a lake that dissolves people right no nothing nothing to see here well right and that's just how we die is we just go to the lake and it dissolves us and that's the end of the story uh yeah yeah that is super tied to what's going to happen at the end and i think it has to be raiden that dies which is like a super big bummer for serene but at the same time like most of the time she's been without it's like it gives you a nice like bittersweetness which I think I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get You're getting there. a little ahead of yourself. We'll get there when I'm right. Uh, I have another bold prediction. Um, All right, let's hear it. Okay, so throughout the book, it's been revealed that people from Fjordel and certain places can't become Elantrians. And it's like super tied into place and like race, which is like eh, not super cool, but fine. And recently, so... I'm like 80% of the way through Raiden has come back to K and he is getting ready to be coronated. He's figured out how to like create this illusion that he looks normal. And in the middle of it, he feels this presence where somebody else is manipulating the door. Right. And he looks and he sees deal the other. Well, he sees a red robed figure right he doesn't know who delof is though but we're pretty sure sure that that's delof and i think the reason delof is also it should be noted not from fjordel it was noted at the very beginning he is an Arlian, right he's from mm-hmm. arlan right? right and so i think delof is an elantrian who's been able to hide it super well and this is where he's able to draw this like hatred of the elantrians from uh is because he is an elantrian but he has just been able to like live undercover among everyone for so long and in the meantime he has figured out how to manipulate the door um and so he is like there's going to be some reveal that he's an elantrian uh and i'm i'm not sure why necessarily if i already guessed why he was like so angry at the elantrians maybe it's because. He just wants to be the only one, um, but that seems like a little bit too simplistic for him. He's like a pretty good schemer, um, so I'm not exactly sure what his motives are. But I'm fairly like, I, I would say this is like a high pr- likelihood of being true uh, that that that, that is an Elantrian. Dilof is an Elantrian. Yeah. Okay. So that one I'm gonna okay. put some that one I'm gonna put some high odds on. Low odds. Heavy confidence. Low odds. Low, yeah, because you want low odds. Okay, yeah, not a betting man, but low yeah. odds. Yeah, so high confidence or low odds on Diloph being an Elantrian. Yes, absolutely. Okay, and we will be reading or finishing up Elantris by the next episode, and the next episode will be focused on Elantris being as a book and us being done with reading it. Right, right. So we'll we'll be able to analyze Dan's predictions then which is pretty exciting. Well, confirm. Right. Sure. Definitely confirm. I want to talk about... Obviously, we have to talk about... In any Brandon Sanderson book, we have to talk about the magic system. Okay. Yes. How do you feel about the magic system where you're kind of just drawing something? Well, it sounds like you have something that you want to say about it. Like, Well, okay. So <laughs> I want to say... This is another of those magic systems where... I'm going to say this in a deliberately obtuse way. Okay. This is a magic system where the nerds are the best. You know what I mean? Yes. Where... So it doesn't matter how much strength or magic you start with. It just matters how much how smart you are and how much you study. Because all, you're, all they're doing... Is drawing in the air super elaborate things, and the more you know the better drawing you can make, right? Yes. I'm actually gonna disagree with you. Okay. This is what's, not what's your... This is not for smart people. This how do what why do you say that? This magic system is not about being super intelligent and able to put together cool signs. It's about memorizing and being able to draw them super specifically in the air right because yeah but so a good part of it is practicing the skill of moving your finger through the air like that's you can't do it if you can't do that yeah but i'm saying it's not it's not like a lot of those books where some people are just stronger in magic than others well I don't know, though, because in a lot of books, like the magic users are the like bookish types already. Like wizards are are... stereotypically reading spell books all the time. Right. But I'm saying that that's that's true. And I'm saying that's one this is one of those where like it's just a situation where the more nerdy stuff you do, like practicing moving your fingers and reading books and memorizing stuff, the better you are. Okay. so like, for example, for example, Harry Potter. There's nothing to say that Dumbledore is better at magic than Neville. He's just way smarter and better at the hand movements. You're saying Dumbledore is? Yes. That's why he's such a better wizard than anyone else, because he's just smarter and better at the hand movements, basically. Oh, I didn't think that was the case. Same. Well,
1: because you're not
0: like one spell is going to do... It's not, it doesn't matter how strong you are in the magic in, in like Harry Potter or Elantris and something like that. What? It just matters if you do it right. I think the, the magic system in Harry Potter is entirely different from the magic system in Elantris. No, I, okay, it is different. But in this way, it's the same where it doesn't matter how much like magic you have in you. It just matters if you do everything correctly. No, I think, okay, <laughs> no, because I think in Harry Potter, it does entirely matter. Otherwise, Hermione Granger would be fighting Voldemort. Yeah, but she's not like, well, okay, okay. Tell me why it's different. So in Harry Potter, I, I think it is the distinction that the magic is inside of you. And yes, a part of it is getting the Wingardium Leviosa correct. But a part of it is also just like having the magical energy in your being. Otherwise, the most powerful, the most powerful wizards in Harry Potter would be the ones who are the smartest, like the people in Ravenclaw. And well, there's there's a difference between being the smartest and like being able to use it correctly. Like you have to be super smart and know how to use it in terms of like the context. And so, for example, in the in like fights in Harry Potter, yeah. or probably in Elantris too, yeah. you have to be super creative in what you're doing. It doesn't, but it doesn't matter how powerful you are it just matters how creative you are and how smart you are basically see but this is where i think it's different because i agree with you elantris Every it's like really egalitarian with magic users right so like uh you just have to draw the symbol good and the power comes from the like external power of the universe but harry potter i don't think that's the harry potter i think the magic is inherent to you otherwise here's the other reason um, in Harry Potter, why couldn't like Muggles use magic if the magic is just everywhere and it's not inherent? Well, to... okay. Well, well, the Muggles right. just can't. There's, there's. It's either you can or you can't. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. See, this is you. Okay. Here's... it seems like it looks like that. There's more magic in certain people because they're way better, but in reality, they're just better at magic. Okay. I would say the counter argument to that. I would say is when they're like casting Patronus charms and some people's Patronus are more effective than others. I don't think that it's like a, it has to do with wait. Okay. Hold on Luke. Because at a certain point, Harry figures out you can cast spells without saying words and he's able to cast spells with intent. So yeah, but anyone can do that. Okay. If they study hard enough. Right, but then what is the studying? The, to me, then the studying is active, is like accessing the magic that's inside of you. Right, but everyone has the same amount. I see, this is—I don't think that's true. I, I think, think like, okay. See, I think I think all of the evidence is on my side, but all of the feel, all of the like intuition is on your side. No, but it seems like it seems like everyone in the Harry Potter universe is different in terms of magical ability yes definitely. because there's this huge range between like dumbledore down to like neville or right, something like that right but there there's no evidence anywhere that says like dumbledore or someone like him was just born with more magic okay but there's also no evidence that dumbledore is like better at casting wingardium leviosa he's better we'll at the than anyone else right like i don't think there's evidence to... to support either one of our claims just to be clear i do not think there's evidence in the book to support either one of our claims i just don't see how so so when you're going to like a fight or like a duel or something yes think about it yes it's all between how many spells you know and how creative you are in counteracting someone else's spell Or how well you're timing certain things. Maybe in your head? In my head, it's like, oh, yeah, Harry has more inherent magical ability than Draco. So as long as Harry is, like, equal knowledge, as long as Harry is, like, as smart as Draco, Harry's going to win every time because Harry's got the magic in his heart. I don't see it like that. Well, we're going to have to agree to disagree then. Okay, another, another agree to disagree on this point. Um, a lot lot of arguments today but but i will say so i definitely i definitely agree with you about elantris and the fact that their their magic is like the epitome of nerd magic where it's like oh Mm -hmm. yeah you just read a lot of books and you get way better at it than anyone else and in that way like the magic is ah, see but like here we go luke because the problem other people are inherently better or worse at doing the little symbols with their hands. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. It's, it seems like the, the reason why is just because they're don't do the same symbols. Right. But this is, this is my point is so sure. Maybe they don't have different inherent magic ability, but everyone still has a different inherent, like coordination and dexterity. Right. Even in art. Right. People already have different levels of coordination and dexterity. And Raiden is talking about how later on, as they get more complex, you have to do these weird different motions. And so there it's still like depends on your inherent ability to make the symbols with your hands. Right. So there are right. still people who would be better or worse, even if you practice it. Like there is still. Well, yeah. But you could say the same thing about like intelligence. Like some people are just smarter than other people. Right. This is they, what, don't have more, they don't have just more magic capability. They're just, again, just better at using the tools that allow them to use magic. I guess that's true. I, I guess, uh, yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. And, uh, like, there's also a sense that if you practice, you get much better at doing it, just, like, playing the guitar or any other kind of, like, instrument. I just, I guess I have a problem with identifying it as, like, a nerd thing when there's, like, a... There's like a physical component to it that you have to be somewhat coordinated to do. Sure. Sure. How do we another thing that I was thinking of, so you know how it talks about how Elantrians like hate like war and that kind of stuff? Yeah. They're super hippie. You think that's because there's no way that the Elant- the magic system allows them to battle or to fight or duel or something okay. like that in an effective way yes so this is exactly what i was thinking when before you were like or if two elantrians fight and instantly I was like well no that wouldn't that doesn't happen Yeah. Although, they just be like, if somebody can draw symbols faster that's true the the, one, the the main thing that makes you good at fighting in this magic system is oh, hand oh shoot actually though now that i think about it Okay, an Elantrian fight would be super boring to watch. It would be like watching a chess match. But because you can see what the other person, the symbol that the other person is creating, you can modify your symbol based on what their symbol is if you know what it is. So you have these two people who are like modifying their symbol in like the, in like the mid in the process, of creating it to reflect what the other person's modifying and it's going back and forth as they're like trying to update their symbol based on the other person. And so it's this like 20 minute, like huge tapestry of like symbols that are in the air. And eventually one of them just falls down dead because the other one happens to get a little bit of it. Right. <laughs> right. Because that'd be pretty intense to watch. Well, what it? Did- I don't think it would be because you'd nothing would happen until the very end. Or at the very end, it would be this huge explosion that, like, one of them was able to hide from, right? Because you can add those different modifiers to the symbols. And so, like, here's the thing. Do you, do you think it would be, like, checkers in terms of there's a mathematical way that you would just win if you start first? Well, you know what I mean? There's a way in checkers that just wins every time. Okay, but that's true about, that's true about most games there's if okay most games if you start first you can at worst if you're a perfect player at worst tie okay so do you think that the elantrian magic system would develop a way that just one person always wins or there's no way to beat somebody i see what you're asking so you're not talking about checkers actually you're asking if it's a tic-tac-toe situation yes because right. tic-tac-toe if i start first there's no way i'm losing a game of tic-tac-toe to you right yeah right uh probably not because of the complexity it sounds like the symbols are pretty complex Ooh, wait though okay we've we've totally neglected a huge part of uh Elantra's duels and that is mid drawing distraction okay oh. so you know when you have a staring contest with somebody and you try and like get them to blink by like blowing yeah, like on their eyeballs or, or you clap or something like that yes so that's a part of an elantrian duel because you have to make the symbol perfectly or else nothing happens and so if in the middle of you creating this symbol i'm able to while creating my symbol like kick you or something and you're like ow dude stop it and you like go to swat at my leg and it's like gotcha you're a fireball now (laughs) that's true yeah that's got to be a big part of it now that I think of it these duels have gone from being two people drawing symbols in the air for like 20 minutes to two people actively fighting while they're drawing two symbols in the air oh this would just turn into a wrestling match (laughs) you know what I mean Uh, (laughs) or someone just grabbing the other dude's hand and being like why are you hitting yourself (laughs) I think I think the higher up, the more the more advanced an Elantrian duel is, the more childish it looks from the outside. Okay, so so like a low level duel, like two children dueling, is like a martial arts extravaganza mixed with like who is it, Doctor yeah, the Doctor Strange like light symbols carved in the air, uh, kind of fight. and a high level, a high level hold on, a high level Elantrian battle between two of the top sages of the Elantrian hierarchy are looks like two ferrets with sparklers like slapping each other. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's what I'm saying, yes. I don't think you can prove me wrong on that. I don't think it's ever been done. <laughs> That's true. Oh, shoot. now I'm thinking now I'm thinking that I would pay good money to see an Elantrian duel. Do you think? OK, so the Elantrians definitely like there were people who probably weren't all pacifist. Right. Because like there's they still have their identity in the book. Right. Like there are still right, people. I would think so. so there there have got to be Elantrians who are like, yeah, I want to just like fight people with this stuff. Yeah, right? Like maybe Elantrian society overall was like, Yeah, we shouldn't fight and we're gonna be peaceful, but there were like fight clubs down in the basements of some of these oh, uh, there had to have been. houses where they were just getting wild down there. Ooh. Where's that book, Brandon? You know, I think he's supposed to be writing sequels for this. Uh yeah, I read earlier today that apparently he's working on a sequel, but it's gonna take place like ten years after the events of this one, so maybe Ooh. there's gonna be some I I'm not a big fanfic guy but maybe we could uh get some people to start making some fan fiction about fight clubs if, and elantris if you have elantrian fight club fan fiction that you would be willing to share with us please email us at uh don't call it a book club at don't call it a book com. uh also dan <laughs> you can just if, if you don't want to share them with luke you can just send them to dan at don't call it a book uh and i will thoroughly enjoy that fight club laundry and fan fiction in the man i i hope that's our actual email address when we actually make an email <laughs> uh so actually we do have email addresses associated with the um with the website oh nice So those that's good don't call it a book club at don't call it a book club. It's not the email right now, but it very easily can be. <laughs> we well, That can be, uh, that can be our fanfic email. <laughs> yes. Uh So yeah, any Elantrian we, fight we, club you know, fan should we, fiction. Should we, should we, should we cut this or no? <laughs> oh no, this is all, this is all standing. Yeah, any, yeah, okay, yeah. any and all Elantrian fight club fan fiction, please forward to don't call it a book club at don't call it a book com with the subject line, uh, the first rule of Elantrian Fight Club is uh, stop hitting yourself. It's a pretty good subject line. <laughs> Did you think of that just on the spot? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Anything more to say about this section of Elantris? Uh, about the magic in Elantris, or just Elant- This, as far as we've read up to Elantris, in the in the in general. Um well okay yes there is one more thing that i want to talk about that's like so my okay my biggest biggest complaint with this this book and normally like sure we can take some liberties with the people in the in the world aren't perfect they're not super smart with everything as we've seen with the king the kings right they're not great but the incompetence of the merchants of Aralon is astounding. And the fact, the fact that these people are the like merchants of the whole world essentially, like these are the people who were going out and like that's why their empire even exists anymore is because they were like in control of the economies is astounding to me because Yeah, cuz these are these are basically the cream of the crop of the whole continent. Right. Right. And It's explained that the reason why the merchants were able to take power is because they had, um, after the Elantrians fell, is because they had disconnected themselves from the Elantrians because they'd made an agreement that the Elantrians wouldn't make certain things for the people of Kay and Arlon so that the merchants could import them. And this was the deal that the merchants came up with for the Elantrians was, hey, stop making all this cool stuff because we want to import stuff from other places. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? If I'm a merchant, you know what I'm doing? I'm going to the Elantrians and saying, hey, make me all that cool stuff because I'm going to take it other places where they don't have the cool stuff. And you know what? Please keep making cooler stuff like I don't care if the people around me have cool stuff because you know who doesn't have cool stuff the people in Teod the people in the Fjordel Empire and I'm definitely bringing it there why are the merchants in Arlon only an import service this is ridiculous bold bold to go import instead of export there like the first merchant who was like yeah I'm just an export service for the Elantrians because they can't leave their shiny city and I'm I can leave. I can take all their stuff and go with it. And they can't leave this like place. They can't do it. I will, I will be the exporter. So wild to me. Why are the merchants not, why are there any merchants who are not doing that? All right. A lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of critiques of the book. I like it. (laughs) What do you, what do you (laughs) think? We'll talk more about the overall feelings of the book in the next episode right but what are your thoughts what are your thoughts on the book so far yeah i mean as i was saying earlier um part one is pretty good um and i really enjoyed it um but it definitely wasn't a book that i couldn't put down part two it seemed like at the end of every chapter i was like pretty excited to keep going uh and there were definitely a few late nights that uh i should have stopped reading several hours before i did so yeah uh i think part two is like It definitely picks up and is like a really great page turner part one is like an interesting story but not like you know it's not at the same level right yeah so I've I've read a lot of Brandon Sanderson books I would say this is his first book I would say it's definitely one of his weaker books it's still (laughs) a good book but yeah it's 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 got some some ways to go okay so good good discussion on Elantris that'll wrap it up for this episode next episode like we said we're going to be talking about the ending and kind of more broadly how this book fits in overall Uh, so if you enjoyed this episode make sure to listen to the next one